thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, tonight we thank you. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. For those you foreknew, you predestinated them to be conformed to the patterns and the image of your son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And those you predestined, you called, and those you called, you justified, and those you justified, you glorified. We thank and bless you. Of your own will, you begat us forth as a kind of first fruit among all your creatures. We thank you, Father, for your glory, what you did for us on Calvary. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Tonight, we are here to draw from the wells of salvation. We ask that you fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Open the eyes of understanding that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us world who are believed according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in that which is to come give us an encounter with you that we all with an unveiled face as we behold us in the mirror the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by your spirit thank you for a glorified meeting tonight in Jesus name amen please be seated If you don't speak in tongues here, can you lift up your hands? Let me see. If you don't speak in tongues. You don't speak in tongues. Lift up your hands. Let me see. All right. If you desire to speak in tongues, lift your hands. Let's see. If you don't speak in tongues and you desire to speak in tongues, lift your hands. Let me see. All right. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to open up your spirit put down some notes if possible because I believe that tonight the Lord is going to bless you greatly. Amen. I want to teach you quickly on um, what I titled the necessity of prayer. The necessity of prayer. In the book of Luke chapter 18 the verse 1 the Bible says and he speak this parable to this end that man always ought to pray and not faint now if you are a greek student and you begin to search on the word ought you will notice that the word ought in greek is day d-e-i day and the word day means necessity the word day means essential. And finally, the word day means compulsory. Which means what Jesus is saying is man compulsorily ought to pray. Men of necessity have to pray. Men of an essential quality have to pray. Which tells us that Prayer is non-negotiable in the life of the believer. 
Praise God. Now, one great man called Thomas said something amazing. He said, man is called the great amphibian. And what it means by that is that man is a creature of two worlds. Which means that man has a part with which he uses to relate with the material world. And has another part in him with which he uses to relate with the spiritual world. Which means that man is a creature of two worlds and he relates both physically and spiritually. Praise God. And God designed the instinct of prayer in the life of every believer deliberately for the purpose of man relating with him and seeking his face. And we need to understand that life is not physical. Life is spiritual. And the physical is controlled by the spiritual. An example of this reality is what happened in the book of um, Exodus chapter 17 where the Bible tells us that um, Israel went through on their journey to the promised land and had an encounter with Amalek. The Bible tells us that Amalek made great war with Israel. And the Bible says that God told Moses to um, appoint Joshua and then go and then make a battle or a fight or a war with Amalek. But the Bible tells us that Moses climbed the mountaintop. So whilst Joshua was fighting with Amalek, Moses, Aaron, and Er climbed the mountain. And the Bible says that Moses lifted up his hands. And as long as Moses' hands was lifted, Amalek was losing and Israel was winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired and brought it down, the Bible says Amalek began to win. So the Bible tells us that Aaron and Er supported the hand of Moses and they placed Moses on a stone. And the Bible tells us that Joshua discomfited Amalek completely to the going down of the sun. Now, the posture of Moses with his lifted hands is a type of prayer. And the battle is a representation of what we go through in life as Christians. What happened is that the outcome of that battle was not determined by the number of people that were helping Joshua to fight. The outcome of the victory of that battle was not determined by the experience or the skill of Joshua and his army. The outcome and victory of that battle was determined by the hand of Moses that was lifted. Which tells us there is a power that controls this world that we can ever imagine on the physical. Life is spiritual and we win battles from heaven. And if a child of God does not know how to engage to business from the heavenly perspective, I'm sorry to say you may have a good bank account and your spiritual bank is empty and bankrupt. Hallelujah. I'm teaching good here. Now we need to understand something very important. Now hear me. When God made man, there were three things God gave to him. Never forget this ever in your life. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible tells us, and God formed man's body from the dust of the ground and brought into his nostrils the bread of life. Observe this. The first thing God gave to man was breath. And for man to breathe, 
for man to live, he had to keep breathing. The second thing God gave to man is in Genesis 2 from the verse 9 was food and water. Observe that. The third thing God gave to man in Genesis 2, 14, 15 was work or what you call exercise or what you call ministry. So observe the order. The first thing God gave to man was what? Breath. The second thing God gave to man was food and water. The third thing God gave to man was? Was work. Observe it. Now, of all the three, the most important was breath because for man to eat and work, he has to be breathing. Which means that without breath, man's eating and man's work or man's ministry was useless. Because as long as you want to work and eat, you should be breathing. Likewise, in the New Testament, God gave us three things. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he says, pray without ceasing. We all know we don't cease to breathe. So we breathe without ceasing. So if the Bible says pray without ceasing, which means that what physical breath is to the natural man, prayer is to the spiritual man. Which means that prayer is the breath of the soul of the believer. As long as a believer is praying, he's breathing spiritually. And if man had to breathe in order to eat, in order to work, which means man will have to pray in order to feed on the word of God and do the work of ministry. So hear me carefully. The breath of life is prayer. You pray as you go and you pray as you leave. In other words, prayer is as important as breath. That food that God gave to man was also representing the word of God. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the third thing God gave to man was work representing ministry, the work of God. So we cannot grow spiritually. We cannot feed on the word of God properly. We cannot do the work of God without the enablement and empowerment that comes from prayer. So hear me. Prayer is as important as breath. I've never seen a man who is too busy to breathe. I have never seen a man who says, okay, uh, I'm so tired. I'll breathe from tomorrow morning. Have you ever seen that before? Never possible, which means no matter how tired you are, you breathe. Which means tiredness and busyness is not an excuse for not praying. Unfortunately, many Christians give many reasons why they don't pray. I have many children. John Wesley's mother, Susanna Wesley, had 19 children, yet prayed two hours a day. David was a king taking care of 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah, the Bible says in Psalm 55, verse 17, he prayed three times a day. Daniel was a prime minister and a prophet. He prayed three times a day. Daniel 6:10. What is your excuse? David was taking care of three million people as a mediator. Yet prayer was his breath. So question. 
What is keeping you from praying? Unfortunately, the very reasons and excuses why Christians don't pray are the very reasons why they should pray. The very excuses they give why they don't pray are the very reasons why they should be praying. I have three children. You should be praying because you have three children. Because if you don't pray, Satan will destroy those kids you are protecting. I have a business and my business schedules are so tight. Wait until you start losing in business. So many Christians don't get this thing. They've not found out how necessary, how important prayer is to the believer. I'm taking good here. The last time I checked, God is the habitat of man. I'll explain. When you take a fish out of the sea, the fish won't leave. Why? Because the sea, it's the fish's habitat. The fish survives as long as it remains in the sea. The plant's habitat is the soil or the earth. When you disconnect the plant from the soil, it begins to wither. Likewise, God is the habitat of man. Why? Because man came from God. Which means for man to survive and live, he will have to abide constantly in Jesus. That is why Jesus said, for without me, John 15, 5, you can do nothing. He's telling you that Christ is your habitat. He that dwelleth, not he that visited. Oh, I'm sure you're not praying and it seems things are still working for you, right? All right. When you disconnect a branch from a tree, for the next few hours, it still looks green. But give that branch some few days, you will notice the color will change from green. The freshness will change into brown. It begins to wither. Listen, when you disconnect yourself from God consistently, it may seem as though things are still working, but it's just a matter of time. Your freshness, the glory that is upon you once, that power, that favor, that joy that was in your spirit, that beauty that, that enveloped and surrounded your life, you will soon begin to lose it and you will not realize. Like something, the Bible says the spirit of God left him, but he didn't know. So many Christians have traded their relationship with God for other things. Listen, anything that takes the, play, the place of prayer in your life is an idol. Hmm. One of the greatest sins a believer can commit is the sin of prayerlessness. And you see, many have not realized how serious prayerlessness is. Prayerlessness is dangerous because it reveals five things. Number one, prayerlessness reveals number one that you are in sin. Hear me. You don't need to fornicate before you start sin, being sinful. 
In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12, the verse 23, Samuel said, As for me, I will not, God forbid, that I sin against God in ceasing to pray for you. So from there we deduce that prayerlessness is sin. And note this, prayerlessness is the first sin you commit before other sins follow. I can tell you an authority. That many Christians who are falling into addictions began by stopping prayer. You started beating your wife when you stopped praying. Because you will never beat your wife if you constantly appear before the presence of God. The Holy Ghost will say something to you. I'm telling you. So, when you neglect fellowship with God, this is when breakages, distraction begin to flourish in your life. I'll give you an example. I was in a prayer camp doing a fasting and prayer and I had a Bluetooth headset on my ears. And whilst I was using a Bluetooth headset, I had the phone because the, the Bluetooth headset was, was being played from my phone. So I put the phone on the bench and then I began to move further away from the phone whilst the headset was in my ears. Whilst I was moving further away, I began to hear breakages in the song that was playing. And as I kept moving further away from the phone, I heard disconnected. And as I went further, I had switched off. I quickly turned it on, came closer, and I had connected, and the song started playing. And God said, this is the devotional and prayer life. Hear me? You are that Bluetooth headset. And that phone is God. The Bluetooth headset is useless if the phone is not playing. So anything the Bluetooth headset is reflecting is coming from the phone. Listen, anything playing in your life is coming from God. The moment you begin to disconnect from God, there will be breakages, there will be disconnection, and they will be switched off. And many of you now have switched off your spiritual life and yet you're expecting miracles. Tell someone, get connected. One more time, get connected. So prayerlessness reveals number one sin. Hear me. Most of you here need to apologize to the Holy Spirit for the sin of prayerlessness. These are sins that are called respectable sins. We don't book them. We don't really see its relevance. So the first thing is what? The the first thing prayerlessness reveals is what? Sin. Number two is rebellion. Hear me. To not pray as a child of God is rebelling the protocol, the systems, and the structures God has put in place to help you. So hear me. A prayerless Christian is a rebel. And the last time I checked the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, from the verse 23, the Bible says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Oh, that tells me that a prayerlessness, a prayerless believer will open a door for witchcraft activities in his life. You are a no match for witches when you are prayerless. Because there's no fire in your life. The third thing prayerlessness reveals is pride. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That means creature's highest expression of humility is not kneeling. It's praying. 
So God first sees a humble man by seeing a praying man. You know why? Because a praying man says, The Lord, I can't, but you can. Anytime you are prayerless, you tell God, I can handle life. I'm in charge. I don't need you. I can, I can do it. I'm fine, God. Stay in heaven. That's what he said to God. And the last time I checked in the book of Psalm 34, the verse 6, the Bible says, This poor man cried, and the Lord hit him. I was doing a calculation. Now, the one who said this was David. Question, was David poor? David was a king. He was very rich. Yet, when he came to prayer, he said, this poor man cried. What David is saying is that he used the figurative understanding of poverty to explain prayer. Only poor men pray. I explain again. Have you realized that poor men survive by asking? Poor men live by depending on others for their survival. David is also saying that as far as my relationship with God is, when I come to him, I come bankrupt to receive. I don't have wisdom. You have the wisdom. I'm, I'm bankrupt. I came for wisdom. Until you are poor before God, spiritually, you can't receive from God. That is why prayerlessness is the highest level of pride. And number four, our prayerlessness reveals disobedience. This is a serious matter here. The Bible several times commands us to pray. First Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Colossians 4.2 Continue in prayer. Romans 12.12 12, Be instant in prayer. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. First Peter 4 7, but the end of all things is near. Be sober, be vigilant, and give yourself to prayer. Which means prayer is commanded. To not pray is to live in disobedience. And the Bible says that to obey is better than sacrifice. You know what it means? No amount of offering can make up for prayerlessness. Oh, uh, you, you can't say, okay, Lord, I've not been able to pray, but here's my offering. Listen, we need to understand that, listen, prayerlessness is complete disobedience. I'm telling you. And finally, prayerlessness reveals our unbelief. <laughs> Hebrews chapter, six, chapter 11, verse 6. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, to know this in scripture and not pray is to say you don't believe in God. So, prayerlessness is a revelation of our unbelief. We don't believe God. We don't trust God. That is why we don't pray. Because if you truly know that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, you will seek him by prayer. I'm telling you. You are too sufficient. That's why you don't pray. You are too full. That's why you don't pray. You are too rich. That's why you don't pray. And that is undoing. I have, I have some news for you. If you don't pray as a child of God, God will not trust you. And if God does not trust you, he will not entrust you. And hear me. If you don't pray, Satan loves you. 
I'll explain. If you check this category, sin, Satan sins. Number two, Satan is a rebel. Number three, Satan is a proudful being. Number four, Satan is disobedient. Number five, Satan lives in unbelief. That's why he sinned against God. So hear me. Satan loves you when you don't pray. You know why? Because you are a reflection of who he is. This is what scared me. <laughs> can we proceed further? Are you sure you can take this thing? <laughs> now hear me carefully. There are three anchors of prayer every believer needs to hold if you want to be a strong Christian. Number one, prayer is a means by which we commune with God. All what I'm giving you is still a foundation to the teaching. Prayer is one, a means by which we commune with God. Never forget, forget this because this is going to be your anchor. It's the means by which we commune with God. Now, interestingly, the Greek word for the word prayer is prosio komai. Prosio komai. P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-O-M-A-I. Prosio komai. Now, interestingly, the word prosio komai is from three Greek words put together. The first is pros. The second is eo. And the third is komai. The word pros means face to face. The word eel means good or legal ground. That's why we have Eugenia, good woman. Eo Angelion, good news. Are you following that? So eel means good or legal ground. And komai means to find it all or to exhaust or to explore to the end. So the word prayer from Posukumai means face to face with God on legal grounds to find it all. Face to face with God on legal grounds to explore to the end. Face to face on legal grounds to find it all. Listen to me. Christ is not just a person. He's a place. That's what the Bible says. If any man be in Christ, in him we live, move, and have our being. Now, when you got born again, you were brought into Christ. It doesn't mean you just stay in Christ. We need to understand that there are treasures in Christ that needs to be explored. What I mean by that is that Colossians 2 3 says that in whom are hid the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, which means inside Christ are the very tesaros. The Greek word for treasures is tesaros, which is a repository, you know, a treasury, a place where valuable things are kept. He's saying that when you are in Christ, there is a place for exploring Christ. Mm. So prayer is not just asking for things. You're not getting this thing. Adam was in the garden. He didn't have a problem with water. He didn't have a problem with food. He didn't have a problem with animals. He could kill anything. So Adam did not have any provisional problem. So if God came to the garden in the cool of the day to talk to Adam, what were they discussing? So if your first understanding of prayer is meeting your need, Adam didn't have a need. So what were they talking about? So the real understanding of our prayer we need to understand is communion. It's you searching God and God searching you. 
when God searches you, he exposes your sin and your weakness and then you, you adjust. When you search God, you find out valuable things in him and you walk in them. So, so hear me. Moses came to the mountain together with Israel. All Israel came to the Mount Sinai. Yet only Moses climbed it. The Bible says we have come to Mount Zion. It's one thing to be at Mount Zion. It's another to climb. So you come to Mount Zion by faith. You climb by prayer. Because when you climb the mountain, you see things differently. Because you're on the higher side. You didn't get this thing. When you pray, you climb God. It's, listen, listen. Prayer is an excursion in God. Prayer is traveling in God. Hear me carefully. For you to move at a fast speed, you need a vehicle. To move into the sea, you need what? A submarine. For you to travel to space, you need a spacecraft. For you to move in a short distance, you either need a bicycle, a motorbike, or a bus. But for you to fly from Ghana to Kenya, you will need a plane. So, in every dimension and in every realm, there is a vehicle that is designed to make you arrive there. Are you following this thing? You cannot use a bicycle to travel from Ghana to Kenya. It's not possible. You will need a right vehicle. You can't use a Lamborghini to, to, to move into the sea. It, it will get destroyed. Likewise, the vehicle for traveling in the spirit is prayer. So hear me, if you don't pray, you are going nowhere. So we travel in God by prayer. It's a journey into God to know him. To commune with him. If I have time, I'm going to be teaching you the three approaches in prayer. Because, you see, when we come to meet in church like this, our prayer path is very different. That's why we do a lot of warfare. Because most of you mess up in a week. We have to do warfare to get it out. <laughs> but in our private homes, there, there, there's, there's an approach to handling God. Listen. See, let me not go ahead of myself. So, number two. Number two. Second anchor in prayer. Prayer is a means through which we express our love to God. Prayer is a means through which we express our love to God. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. You let him go three years ago in your prayerlessness. <laughs> <laughs> so many professing believers are hypocrites actually because listen love is not you saying it it's you doing it true love is true love when there is obedience so hear me if you will love Jesus you will love him to the extent of which you want to pray so hear me no one genuinely and truly loves God God who does not pray. So prayer is part of your first expression and demonstration of love to God. 
If you want to love God, you begin by spending time with him because that is the secret to building relationship. The secret is spending time. Communication. Oh, the last time what I heard from some, 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 some pastor who is prayerless, I made a statement. It's not about long prayer. It's about having revelation. I said, okay, okay, okay. She said, prayer is not really about long prayer. It's about spending some little time with God. Listen to me. Can you marry your wife? Okay? And then, um, one day you tell her, baby, it's not about how long I talk to you. <laughs> it's not about how long we talk. It's about the quality of our love. How is quality tested? Time. So, he who loves much will pray much. Simple equation. He who loves less will pray less. Hear me. At least I've fallen in love before, so I know what it means to fall in love. When I fell in love with my wife, then, oh my goodness. We could speak for about five hours from 12 a.m. to 5 and I wasn't praying. And, and, and those times the love was so fresh and she said, baby, are you sleepy? I must go for lectures and for work. I said, baby, are you sleepy? I said, no, 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 I'm not sleepy. Let's continue talking. <laughs> when I was sleepy, I spent so much on her. She, she, I bought a phone for her. She she allowed the phone to be stolen. And, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it was a very expensive phone then because I used my life savings. And when she told me because I was in love, I didn't want to lose, I said, don't worry, it's fine. I went home to weep. I bought the second phone, it was stolen. I said, baby, don't worry, it's fine. When I was weeping in my soul, the third time, it got missing again. I said, baby, I love you. <laughs> I went out with her one time and, and I told her, anything you want to eat, just feel free. I'm fine. The bill is on me. That bill is on me. You see, please, never say that. <laughs> the bill is on me. is very relative. When I said the bill is on me, truly the bill was on me. We overspent the budget. I didn't realize it. They brought the bill to us. And then I checked it. I checked my pocket. I said, oh, Jesus, have mercy upon this mortal boy. So I texted my sister in the U.S. I said, my sister, SOS, save our soul. <laughs> she sent us money to pay before we came out. What am I saying? I'm saying that true love will make you sacrifice something. So hear me. If you cannot sacrifice enough to spend time with Jesus, you are not in love. I'm teaching good here. The third anchor in prayer. And this is very interesting. Prayer is an intercourse with God which births multifaceted possibilities. Prayer is an intercourse with God which births what? Multifaceted possibilities. Now, hear me carefully. God does not have favorites. 
but he has intimate. I repeat, God does not have favorites, but he has intimate. And hear me, the best way you could understand romance is the marriage union. Unfortunately, Satan has corrupted marriage. Anything God creates, Satan wants to corrupt it. But hear me carefully. The story of Adam and Eve is actually a typology of Christ and the church. According to Ephesians chapter 5. For example, God uh, created man before he formed man. So God created man who existed in his spirit and God formed the body of man. So God breathed into his nostrils. Remember in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, both male and female were created on the same day in God. So when God breathed into the nostrils, which, which made the pineapple, the body of Adam, he actually transferred both Adam and Eve into the body called Adam. Are you following this? So when Adam was walking, where was Eve? Eve was in Adam walking. When it was time for God to bring Eve, Adam, God did not need to bring Eve from anywhere. He put Adam into a deep sleep and brought Eve from his side. Are you following this? It's a type of Christ in the church. Remember the Bible says we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. So when Christ was walking on earth, where was the church? The church was in him as spiritual Eve. When it was time for the church to come out, like God put Adam into deep sleep, God put Christ deep sleep death on the cross. Remember that Eve came from the side of Adam. The first surgery, blood that was shed was on the side. On the cross, one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced the side of Jesus. And blood and water came. Telling us the church is a product of the blood of Jesus coming from his side. When Adam rose up from a deep sleep, he saw a bride. When Christ resurrected from the dead, he saw the bride, the church so the bible says for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh for this reason god left his father came to cleave unto you and i and today we have become one flesh for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones we are one there is a nuptia but hear me the marriage union between adam and eve was only a little glimpse of the original which is christ and the church hear me carefully the purpose of adam and eve coming together was for fruitfulness they were supposed to have intimacy called sex and that sex would produce fruit children in the spirit it was only a type of the original the church and christ are husband and wife and the end goal of that union is for romance hear me carefully what we call orgasm in the flesh is called pleasures forevermore in the spirit In the book of Psalm 16, the verse 11, he says, For thou wilt show me the path of life, for in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures. Hear me. There is a pleasure in God sex cannot give you. I know what I'm saying. You can encounter a certain pleasure in God. No man, no woman can give that to you. It comes in the place of prayer. Prayer is how we have romance with Jesus. Prayer is how we have intimacy with Jesus. Which means there is no fruitfulness, spiritual children, without intimacy through prayer. Now hear me. In the spirit, when we say you are producing fruit, it's beyond children. You are singing, I speak in tongues in the Holy Ghost. I had that song after praying seven hours on a Sunday morning. And the song came. I didn't plan to sing. 
There are things you don't plan for that appears to you in the spirit when you pray. And I've, I've, I've had close to 100 songs. I never planned any of them. They just came. They just entered my spirit. You know why? Because in intimacy, there is fruit. Holiness is not something you try to do. It's a product of abiding in God. When you stay in the place of prayer for long, the Bible says the fashion of his countenance was altered. He was changed. If you stay with God, your spiritual countenance will change. Glory will rub upon your life. Oh yeah. So hear me. Spiritual fruit is born out of prayer. I'm telling you. Now this thing people are struggling called word of knowledge. It comes from the God of knowledge. If you spend time with the God of knowledge, he will give you a word, a portion called word of knowledge. <laughs> word of wisdom comes from the God of all wisdom. If you spend time with the God of all wisdom, he will give you a word of wisdom. Our God is a consuming fire. If you stay with him, you'll be consumed by the fire. you become a burning flame to your generation. So hear me. Any possibility God represents, a man who spends time with him, will reflect that thing which is in God. I know what I'm saying. You have wisdom to take the right decisions. Can you imagine that Jesus Christ was God when he found himself as a man? For him to choose 12 disciples, the Bible says in Luke 6:12, he prayed all night. Oh, God had to do all night to choose 12 disciples. And even out of that, one was a devil. So, I can deduce an equation. If a child of God does not pray, you will choose and walk with 12 devils. You know why? Because every prayerless decision is a bad decision to begin with. You will, you will, you will marry the wrong partner. You will do the wrong business. You will be scammed. But hear me. Before you move to work, you are on your knees for 30 minutes. Rapakash keno. Leto kapiato. Aleko fate komeno shata. Lord, I'm before you. Lord, I fellowship with you. Lord, I bless your name and I thank you. I give you glory and praise. Lando kovie. Lebro shefete keno. By 30 minutes, you are refreshing the Holy Ghost. Your decisions are sound. Your relationships are prophetic. Your favors are designed. God prepares things in the spirit for you to enjoy them. Listen, there are treasures in the secret place. All the things you are chasing for, I can tell you it's in a secret place. Can I shock you? Dr. Miles Moron of Blessed Memory made a profound statement, which is very powerful. But I have another opinion. He says the wealthiest place is in the grave. Because in that grave, there were potentials that were not at before they entered there. Books that were supposed to be written that were not written are in the graves. TV stations, great footballers, great politicians, great people that were supposed to do great things for God never accomplished them and they entered the grave. So he's saying the wealthiest place is in the grave. But I beg to differ. The wealthiest place is in the secret place. He didn't get this thing. All the songs you're looking for, choristers, they are in a secret place. All the clients you're looking for, they are in a secret place. The last time I checked, the Bible says the heart of a king is in the hands of God. He's the one that tends it wherever he pleases. No man can do life without a prayer life. Leonard Ravenhill said, what capital is to the businessman, prayer is to the believer. That's interesting. We purchase things with money. 
We do business with capital. Likewise, we do spiritual business with prayer. Hear me. If you are bankrupt in prayer, you'll be bankrupt in life. Because we do business with prayer. How much of prayer have you stored in your account in heaven? Many Christians don't get this. So, so many Christians are disappointed in God because they're like, God, I need them. You never showed up. God is actually disappointed in you. You don't get this thing. And I've seen the devil strategically wasting the time of believers. Oh, I've seen believers who can watch season movies for seven hours in a day. I don't know if they exist here. I've seen believers who can spend time on Facebook for eight hours. I've seen believers who can check their status every three seconds when they have not checked their status in heaven. I've seen believers on Instagram the whole day when they never opened their Bible to read and they never went on their knees to speak to the Lord. All that time that you were wasting, do you know what that time can be done when you invest it in the place of prayer? Do you know what one hour tongue speaking can do for you? Do you know? You have no idea. Hear me. There are two things Satan opposes with all his might. The first thing is salvation of souls. Second Corinthians 4.4 4. If our gospel is hid, it is hid, hid to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded? Who do not believe lest the light of the glorious gospel who is the image of Christ should shine upon them? So Satan opposes salvation of souls. So it's difficult to win souls. The second thing Satan opposes is spiritual advancement. So if you manage to get born again, Satan will tell you, let's see how you will grow. That is why it's easier to watch Avengers. But when you take your Bible, you are dozing off. Have you noticed that anytime you, you are not fasting, you can, you can even eat around 3 p.m. and there's no problem. But once you say, I'm dedicating it to Jesus, at 9 a.m., hola franus, heshkom malahas. It's, it's, it's like the whole world turns against you. Every food, including the ones you don't like, becomes attractive. That should tell you Satan is sending an attack against you. So hear me. Any attempt you will make to advance in God, Satan says, I will make sure I oppose you. You know why? Because Satan has spent a lot of time in God's presence before when he was once Lucifer. So he knows the benefits of staying with God. So when he sees a believer making that same movement <laughs> to go into the secret place, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. When he sees a believer making an approach, that is why the time you decide to pray, on your way, your phone rang. By the time you realize you spoke for two hours. When you entered prayer, Satan told you, this prayer is not working. Have you, have you ever prayed and it's like your prayer is hitting the ceiling and coming back to you? All these things are attacks. You'll be praying and you're imagining McDonald's. Okay, there are a lot of angels here who don't experience that. You'll be praying and pictures you never wanted to view comes to your imagination. All these things are attacks. You'll be praying and you'll be, you'll be whatsapping. Hello, I, I'm in prayer. I'll, I'll get back to you.
Imagine if Jesus was about to share a revelation to you. So that's how we disrespect the presence of God. People don't understand holy things. That when you are in the presence of God, it's the greatest privilege and it is the most sacred thing that can ever happen to you. If the president of this country enters this place, there is an honor we give him. Everybody rises. If the president is having lunch with you, you will not be whatsapping whilst you're talking to him. Yet we do this against the president of all presidents. The one who gave us privilege to enter into his presence with dishonor and disrespect him. Because we don't know who he is. We don't know. The necessity of prayer. Why is prayer necessary? Number one. Prayer is necessary because number one, it is a command from God. I've explained that already. Anytime God gives a command, you take him serious. It's a command from God. So we, we, can you imagine Jesus Christ always praying? Why did Jesus need to pray? Sir, why did Jesus need to pray? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. But, but why does Jesus need to pray? In Luke 3.21, the Bible tells us, even in baptism, the Bible says he prayed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Mark 1.35, he rose up a great while before day, went to a solitary place and prayed. Luke 5.16, the Bible says he redrew himself often, went to the wilderness and he prayed. When Jesus was doing miracles, he would withdraw himself often to go and pray. And I was wondering, why would Jesus need to withdraw himself? I remember the other day, one man called D.L. Moody of Blessed Memory. He was asked, D.L. Moody, why do you keep emphasizing on the constant infilling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? And D.L. Moody gave a shocking answer. He says, because I leak. Oh, that's interesting. Every single day you leak. The word of God entering you today. By tomorrow morning, if you don't sustain it, it will leak. So, D.M.D. is saying that. The reason why he's constantly getting filled with the spirit is because he leaks. Jesus said, virtue is gone out of me. So, Jesus knew that the more he's ministering spiritually, he will lose virtue. So, he has to go and replenish. Many Christians don't have that intelligence. That as a quarister, you can dry up without knowing. Oh, yes. You can dry up without knowing. In the book of Luke chapter 22, the verse 31, 32, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan sought to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. Hey! Which means if you don't pray, Satan will sift you as wheat. The Bible says he went to the mountains to pray. Luke 9, 28. And as he prayed, the, fas the fashion of his countenance was changed. Listen. It is true prayer changes things. But hear me. Prayer changes you first. And when you change, you change things. The real deal in prayer is not what prayer gives to you. The real deal in prayer is what prayer does to you. It changes you. 
It changes you. So, so, even when Jesus was tempted, he prayed. And he told his disciples, pray lest you enter into temptation. Jesus at the point was discouraged. He prayed and an angel strengthened him. Even on the cross, his last breath was prayer. And guess what? In the book of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, the Bible says he ever lived to make intercession for us. This is shocking. The only ministry Jesus never resigned or retired from is the ministry of prayer. He's still praying. And you are not praying. I'm teaching good. You know, you know, you know, do you know that too much of everything is bad but not prayer? Prayer was designed to be too much. Until you are praying too much, you are not praying. No. Oh, you don't know this. He says pray without ceasing. So God wishes you pray every minute, every second. Prayer becomes an attitude of your heart where every time you are in thanksgiving, every time you are in intercession, every time you are in prayer, every time you are in supplication, listen to me, this life is spiritual. You need to get connected to God every day. A fetish priest who was reti uh, retiring and doing a handing over ceremony to his son who was taking over for him, warned him and said, Son! There are three groups of believers. Don't attack them for your own safety. Number one, believers who pray at midnight. Number two, believers who pray for long. And number three, believers who pray intermittently. You know intermittent prayers. You pray 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, you pray another 5 minutes. After 5 minutes, you pray another 10 minutes. After every 1 hour, you pray 5 minutes. He says those believers are dangerous. Three groups of praying believers. Number 1, those who pray at midnight. Number 2, those who pray long. Number 3, those who pray intermittently. He says those kind of Christians are dangerous. Don't go close to them. Interesting. We delivered an occult in our church. And when we delivered, now this guy had gone very deep. We're talking of someone who had killed eating human heart. He had a power. When you shoot him, it doesn't go. When you use a stick or a cutlass to hit him, it just bounces back. He gave a shocking revelation. He said the power he had. When you use a huge stick to hit his head, the spirit takes the pain and looks for a nearby person walking who is not strong spiritually and puts the pain on the head. When I said, oh, do you mean what you're saying? He said, yes. So I realized that Christians who didn't do anything, they didn't play football. And then they were just like, ah, my leg. <laughs> Let me tell you what is wrong with your leg. It's a baseball. But <laughs> it's a baseball attack. Someone will just wake up from sleep. He says, my neck. Someone has received a, a, a neck beat and it was directed to you. So sometimes you hear someone will say, my head, my head, my head. He's dead. Listen, there is more to life than you think of. And one amazing thing he said is that those things don't happen to praying believers. That's why I love this church for its prayer. If you're in this church, you are safe. I'm, I'm telling you because you, you will have rich investments of prayer in your life. Hear me. Any man of God that makes you fast and pray loves your soul. Hear me. The church exists for prayer. 
The Bible says when Jesus entered the temple, he says, my house was designed to be called what? A house of prayer. So, which means the primary role of the church is to pray. Hear me. A church that does not pray is a decorated event center. No matter the lights they have, no matter the smoke that takes the presence of God's place. So, no matter the investment they made, if there is no prayer, run for your life because you're not safe. I know what I'm saying. You don't know this thing. Run from any ministry that has not prayed because you're in trouble. I'm teaching God here. So, let's proceed. Oh my goodness. Are you enjoying this thing at all? So we pray because it is our priestly duty and responsibility. This is interesting. I guess there's something about the house of prayer, right? So we said that the church's primary role is to pray. Guess what? When Jesus entered the temple, he saw them selling. He said, shall my house not be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Hear me. In the New Testament, the temple is no longer a building. The Bible says, your body is the temple of God. And if the temple was supposed to be called the house of prayer, now the believer is now the new house of prayer. Which means you exist now for prayer. So in the New Testament, you are the temple. Your body is the outer court. Your soul is the inner court. And your spirit is the holy of holies. So he says, and you have turned it into a den of thieves. So hear me. If you are not praying, you have opened your house for robbery. I repeat, if you don't pray, you open your house for robbery. Satan will steal your joy. He will steal your marriage. He will steal your finances. He will rob everything that you have. Yes. In the book of Leviticus chapter 6, the verse 8 to 13, the Bible says that the priests were supposed to, to keep the fire burning on the altar. And God said, the fire shall not or shall never go out. And it was the duty of the priest to always replace the ashes with fresh wood. Hey! So anytime they put the wood in the fire, by the next morning, the wood has become ashes. Which means, so, so God says, it's your duty to take away the ashes and replace it with fresh wood. This is interesting. Yesterday's prayer is ashes. When we were praying two years ago. Ashes. When we are on fire then times. Ashes bro. Because, see, God, see, you'll be shocked. In Leviticus 9.24, it was God that set the fire. But in Leviticus 8, 6, the verse 7 to 8 to 13, the Bible says, you shall keep the fire. So God set the fire, you keep the fire. Interesting. Which means when you go born again, God set the fire in you. But by your carelessness, you can quench it. So, it is the duty of the believer to keep the fire burning by replacing them with fresh wood every day. So, anytime you go to the word of God, you are replacing it with fresh wood. 
Anytime you pray, you are replacing it with fresh wood. And hear me, if you don't do that, you will be an irresponsible priest. And God's altar will be lacking. That's why we pray. Because we are New Testament priests unto God. We offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. Next point. Why is prayer necessary? Because prayer is the source of the believer's strength. I'm almost giving up on my Christian faith. It's hard. I'm losing it. Isaiah chapter 40, the verse 30, 31. The Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall what? Run and they shall not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Now, this is interesting. Human beings don't fly. But the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen, your strength is supposed to be moving from strength to strength. And the reason why your life seems to be retrogressing is because the thing that makes your strength grow is what you have stopped doing. Listen, my strength is moving from glory to glory every day because I found a secret. Before I held this microphone, I prayed 10 hours in my hotel room before holding this microphone. Because I realized that power is not powder. Listen, it is only God that can change the hearts of men. And it will take his power. There is a strength that is not normal. In the physical, for you to fly, you must start by jumping. In the spirit, for you to fly, you must wait. It doesn't make sense. The Bible says you run and not be worried. No, it's not normal for a man to run and not be worried. When you run, you will be worried. But he's saying that when you pray, prayer gives you supernatural ability to do what ordinary people cannot do. You will do it. The things people say they can't do, you will look at it with ease. You know why? Because there is a dunamis. There is an ability. Listen, the secret to power is prayer. You want to walk in the power of God, spend time in prayer. Because a prayerless believer is a powerless believer. The Bible says that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Check your Bible word. That word power, actually, is not, it's a potential power. If you did some science, you will know there's a difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. Potential energy is, is a stored energy. It's an energy that is in potential. It can do something, but it hasn't yet. Because it's stored energy. It, it's an energy that is in a place that is stored. Are you getting that? But kinetic energy is what? An energy in motion. So, so if this book moves from here to here, that process is what? Kinetic energy. Are you getting that? So he's saying you shall receive power. The power you receive when the Holy Ghost came to reside is potential. Are you following this thing? So 
the means of converting or, or converting potential energy into kinetic energy is tonsology. We call it prayer. So hear me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit brought power into you. But prayer makes the power available. So the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous makes tremendous, amplified version, makes tremendous power available. It is not that the presence, the power is not there. The power is there, but it's not available. When you pray, you make the power available. That's why it's good to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not for Sundays. You speak in tongues. What you're doing is that you are making power available. Hear me, hear me, hear me carefully. You see, <laughs> if you want to buy Mercedes Benz and you have 20,000 shillings, can you buy it? But it's 20,000 money. <laughs> but can you buy a Benz? Why? Because it's not enough. I get in that. Good. So, so what this means is that there are many believers who are placing demands on heaven for things they don't have capacity and currency for. You want Bishop David Oyedepo anointing with five minutes prayer. Congratulations. You know, you have DSTV here, right? Okay, so there are different packages. What's the first package? What's the first package? Oh, why are you behaving as if you don't want GSTV? Why? I was wrong. I, I know they have um, family something something. They have access. So that's what I'm asking. So what's the first package? Access. How much is it? What? 900. Okay. What's the next one? Family. How much? 1200. What's the next one? Compact. How much? 2,000. Okay. What's the next one? Compact Plus. How much? 5,000. Is that the last one? What's what? Premium. How much? 6,000. Now, hold on. Assuming you have money for access. And you want to use your money for access to access premium. So, is it the fault of DSTV or is your pocket? You see, that's what Christians don't understand. If you want premium package, you pay more. So hear me, the more the price, the more the experience. Are you getting this thing at all? So hear me, see, whoever pays the highest price will win, either in the kingdom of darkness or in the kingdom of God. Oh, I know you're shocked. Now, if that witch who is targeting you has killed his son, his mother, and his auntie to get power over you, and what you brought to the table is biryani rice and chicken and sauce. That's what you love. You don't fast. You don't pray. Now, who will win? The witch or you? So, people don't get it. The witch has paid a price for power to defeat you, and you have paid no price. And yet you want to defeat that witch. You don't get this thing. Whoever pays the highest price will win. 
<laughs> Are you getting this thing? So hear me. When we spend time praying, we pay a price for something that is divine upon our lives. Hear me. Prayer is actually a man expressing his utter dependence on God. I'll give you the last example when I'm done. Can I have four people? Maybe the protocol can come. I, 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 I can't do it without you because of your size. So please come here. Two more people, please. Two more people. Okay, that's fine. I want a slimmer, smallish person. Anybody at all? I'm going to give you free advert online. <laughs> all right. So please stand here. All right. No, stand together. Stand together. Hallelujah. Okay, so you come here. And then please, you come here. All right. So stand at his back. Stand at his back. Good. Now, please, are you watching this? Now, how many of you have watched um, wrestling before? Tag team champions. You watched it before? All right, please come here. And then you replace him at the back there. All right, so please go forward a bit. So, wrestling tag team champ, go back a bit. Yes, and then go back a bit. So, in tag team, you understand the rules, right? So, so the fight, if, if you give up and you've lost your strength, what do you do? Okay, you get that? Good. So, this is life problems. The cases of your family. All the things that can bring you down in your work with God. This is Satan. This is the believer. And this is God. Following. So, both of them are on the other side. So, God is here. Satan is there. Your life problem, the cases of your family, and this is you. So, please, let's wrestle now. Wrestle. So, please, it's okay. It's just, it's just, please, hold on. Hold on before you start killing each other here, please. So, because come, so very gently, very, very gently, and then you have to give up, okay? So, you are the believer. So, it's as though life problem is bringing you down. So, go down. So, yes, bring him down. Good. So go down. Good. Now, this is life problem. This is the curses of your family. These are all the problems that limit you as a child of God. And this is you. Down. Right? Now, you're crying. You're crying and saying, God, why me? What is going on? Now, now, now. Do you know that in wrestling, there are certain rules you need to observe? So, if you are being defeated, crying is not an option. So sometimes, Christians think that they can use tears to bribe God. Forgetting that God is a spirit. And spirits are legal beings. They work and move by principles. So listen, if God's word has given you an instruction and you are crying, that tears cannot move God in any way. So many Christians are being beaten down by life problems and they are crying expecting God to come in because of their tears that's wrong are you following this so now what the believer is supposed to do is to do what because God's hands are always stretched now when you tap what happens is that you go out of the ring 
and the one who is refreshed and stronger comes in to continue the battle now the, the so 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 god can handle life problems and the devil itself together so prayer is how we tap god to come out for jesus to come in i see some problems bowing down tonight as you are tapping the lord jesus i see the lord coming out to face problems that you can face i see jesus coming to strengthen you i see jesus coming to wake you up i see jesus coming to overcome your enemies that thing that was strong that thing that was unsurmountable that thing that was undefeatable I see that God is coming in now and I see the joy of the Lord becoming your strength I see God bringing you favor I see God bringing you peace I see God bringing you wealth I see God bringing you joy I see God bringing you restoration lift your voice and begin to pray in the spirit and say Jesus I need you now Jesus lift your voice and pray in the spirit come on come on Jesus, 